So there's our hot take on Puritans. Everything uh, except the end. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, all of the people suck. We, I think we've made that clear. Great. How many times can we say suck in a single episode? <laughs> I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly and today very sleepy discussion. Which might mean more giggly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On all things strange and unusual. Welcome to part two of our three-part series on the Salem Witch Trials. Which we should have made four parts. Or like six parts. (laughs) Every episode in 2024 is Salem. Surprise! (laughs) We could do it. I know. Uh, uh, Yeah, it would be like we just decide now we're going to start seasons just so that way we can do an entire season of just Salem. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Salem season now. (laughs) So yes, in this episode, we're going to get into the details of the accusations, trials, and executions that consumed the city from early 1692 to mid-1693. And I think we mentioned this in the first episode, but there is a lot of information. Full podcasts have been dedicated specifically to Salem and to the witch trials, so we've captured as much of it as we can in what was supposed to be a short episode. Um, <laughs> but he's <laughs> fucked this one up. <laughs> but yeah, please check out some of the other wonderful podcasts out there covering specifically Salem and the witch trials if you want to learn more. Yeah. And I can't remember if I mentioned it last time. I listened to the uh, Aaron Mankey's Unobscured podcast, the season one Does Salem. That was a good one. Yeah, I listened to. I think it was just called Salem, like the month leading up to our trip. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, covered some of it was like covering history and the witch trials, but some of it was just covering like being a tourist in the city and things to do and things to see. So I really enjoyed that, especially if you're thinking about visiting. It's definitely a good listen. Yeah, Paige was very prepared because of that podcast. It's called Salem the Podcast. That's the one. But before we get to Salem, we have to do something spooky. I'm like very intrigued by the little note that you left in here. So Paige, what was your something spooky for this week? It's like way less exciting than you think because nothing spooky has happened to me. More of these are just like little random things Paige is going to say. And the first is that I am trying, which is a little spooky, I guess, the Sunny D vodka seltzer right now for the first time. Uh, And it's terrible. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that. Tonight felt like the night. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, I am home with just my dog tonight, Mm -hmm. and she's in the room with me, which might end up turning this recording session into a total nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have something spooky? Uh, No, mine is just whining because (laughs) we're almost four years into doing this podcast, and... We've, like, never managed to learn that we should just, like, not do anything in January. (laughs) Yeah, it's always a disaster. It's been, like, three weeks of us trying to record this episode. Yeah, and we've had the part one, like, we just released it today. 
it was recorded a while ago, and it is February 2nd now. So January is just a shit show. So, like, next January 2025, you're not hearing from us. We're we'll just making be sleeping. It official. <laughs> I will be asleep. <laughs> we will be in our caves. We will return in February. <laughs> I will be hibernating. <laughs> it's like, we might as well, because, like, I'm not doing anything during it. Um, <laughs> I can't motivate myself. My other something spooky is that your husband is in my basement right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is spooky <laughs> that should be my something spooky every other time we record is that he's in my basement Ooh, yeah i had to put it a weird <laughs> way uh but also i was thinking they <laughs> he's hanging out he's having a boy's night with my husband um <laughs> but a boy's night a boy's night but they are watching little nikki right now featuring which if people are not familiar this is like an adam sandler movie from the early 2000s yeah 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 well i was coming in here to record and i was just thinking like what do you think would happen to a puritan's person's brain from like 1692 (laughs) if you showed them that movie It is sort of a perfect movie for them to be watching right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, can you even imagine? Anyway. <laughs> or really just anything from like the modern world. They'd be like, witchcraft. Um, <laughs> but little Nikki felt especially, I don't know, blasphemous, I guess. <laughs> All right, so we have to get back to where we left off in part one, and that is that Reverend Paris, super cool guy, was <laughs> starting to freak out about the strange illness that had taken hold of both his daughter, Betty, and his niece, who was living with them, Abigail dun, dun, William. Dun. Take it away, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, um, when the reverend's prayers to help the girls went unanswered, he took them to the next best thing, the doctor. Uh, The doctor was unable to determine a diagnosis, so he suggests to the family that witchcraft is probably behind the girls' symptoms, because, of course, it is. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Um, And I think this quote from historian Margot Burns, who's the associate editor of Records of the Salem Witch Hunt, sort of helps put things into perspective. She says, if you think about what's going on in New England, threat of attack from warring tribes, unease about a new charter, and suddenly something strange happens in your household and you're a minister. You know a witch was arrested in Kelmsford and another up in Ipswich. You believe that the devil is against Massachusetts. You believe the devil is against your church. And you believe the devil is against you as a Protestant Puritan minister. And it's in your house. There are reasons why it was credible that there could have been witches in Salem Village. So the girls are asked to name who is responsible. And the first person that they name is Tichaba, who is a woman enslaved by the Paris family. Now, it sort of depends on what source you look at, but Somewhere between Tichaba, the girls, and then each other, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne are also named. And Sarah Good is a homeless woman. Sarah Osborne is a widow 
And she's really just known for like challenging social norms. Um, But these are the first three of the accused and convicted people in Salem. So to confirm Tichuba's involvement, Mary Sibley, who is a neighbor of the Paris family, suggests that Tichuba makes a witch's cake, which is a cake made up of baking a mix of flour with the urine of the afflicted person. (laughs) And this cake was then to be fed to their dog. And if their dog displayed similar symptoms as the girl, then that would confirm that witchcraft was involved. But also potentially it could cure the girls of their symptoms based off some other sources that I read. So yeah, this was just like a way of confirming whether or not somebody was a witch. Yes. And it was sort of my impression that Reverend Paris like sort of freaked out about this whole witch's cake thing. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, like you look at that and you're like, I'm sorry, we're accusing people of witchcraft and then we're like doing witchy shit, like mixing urine with flour and feeding it to the dog. Like... (laughs) Yeah, it basically, like, ends up turning out that, like, because Tachuba makes the cake, (laughs) people are like, oh, well, that's witchy enough for people to start thinking that, like, you're definitely a witch. Like, we weren't sure before, but now we know. (laughs) Right. But it is a good opportunity to point out that, like, that kind of stuff, like the witch's cake, would have been considered, like, folk medicine or even, like, folk magic and that was just like like that was just a thing at the time and of course it's like continued to be a thing in some parts of the country or the world but we learned from our tour of the witch house which was judge jonathan corwin's house that some of the traditions especially around like midwifery and other medical practices were like pretty dang witchy (laughs) and like i said like more accurately like folk medicine or magic was like alive and well at the time despite them freaking out about like anything remotely occult at the time of the trials some examples that i noted while we were there were skull moss and corpse medicine so apparently skulls especially Uh, Of those who died a violent death or were hanged, great, uh, (laughs) would grow a kind of moss and it was considered a great treatment for bleeding, especially to stop nosebleeds. So you just like shove it up your nose and you're good to go. Like never mind that any kind of like soft dry moss would have been absorbent and like worked perfectly fine. <laughs> so basically this is like the equivalent of like sticking a tampon up your nose, but it's sure. moss. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the skull, you guys. It's just moss. It's just moss. <laughs> <laughs> there was groaning cakes and groaning beer. And this just more seemed like they gave sort of like cute names to things that had high calories (laughs) for pregnant women but cakes were given to the first people to see a newborn baby or the first people the family saw on their way to the child's christening so i don't know there's some sort of like 
good luck magic there. The groaning beer, on the other hand, is like literally just some extra calories for mom to help her get through labor, which like seems like a pretty solid idea. Yeah. Like you're pushing out that baby and you just like get some beer while you're doing it. People drink beer like during marathons sometimes. That's a thing. Yeah. So I don't know how they do it, but they do. But it, yeah, but that was the other thing about groaning beer was it was supposed to be like the responsibility of the man to like brew this special beer. I was like, that is, that's nice. That should I be a thing. I love that. I know. I liked that one a lot. I thought that should just be a thing. Never mind that they're never going to let you have beer in a hospital, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> you can drink it after. <laughs> The other one I noted was the tradition of placing bones, dolls, written charms, or most commonly shoes inside the walls of the house or under hearthstones or floorboards, which was meant to protect those in the house from bad spirits. And this is basically just like the pagan hearth magic stuff that we've talked about Mm -hmm. before. Like the hearth is sacred. You know, they keep the fire burning during Yule. That's where we get the witch's cauldron from. So that's like that whole like the hearth and the home is sacred stuff. But Again, like that is like pagan witchy stuff. Anyway, there were apparently certain foods that had like superstitions associated with them. And long story short, there's like definitely some pot calling the kettle black happening in this town. Yeah. <laughs> so here's of all this like folk magic stuff that's going on still. And yet you're all like freaking out freaking about out. <laughs> the pea biscuit. So, I'm like, you know, any other little hint of occult stuff going on? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, yes, at this point, Tichaba knows that people believe she is guilty. So, she becomes the first in the Salem witch trials to confess to witchcraft. And it seems likely that she did this as an attempt to save herself from any future torture or even possibly execution. And then she joins in and starts accusing others and confirming that Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were involved. Yeah. Which, like, why would she not do this? Like, she right. is a slave, has has people in positions of power over her who own her, who, like, have the permission they need to, like, beat her or torture her or whatever. So, like, it is, like, anyone's going to try and save their own life at this point yeah yeah and like so my next comment is not at all to like place blame on her because like I think anybody in her position would have done the same thing but like you know her confession does save her from some harm but it also confirms sort of what the skeptics in the area at the time didn't want to believe and that was that witches had made their way to Salem yeah fair enough (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah like again i don't know that i would have done anything differently but also like it does a little bit screw a lot of other people (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like i arguably she has no other choice from like the right position that she's in and she's smart enough to know that if she doesn't like confess and join in then she's 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 gonna die yeah yeah So yes, after her confession, more and more girls start reporting afflictions, which then lead to more accusations, and then things just like really begin spiraling out of control. 
Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy Good, was the youngest of the accused and was imprisoned alongside her mother just weeks after Sarah's imprisonment. Yeah, that's the one that kills me because she's in prison for like a long time. She's a four-year-old. Yeah. I was like, listen, do I sometimes think my four-year-old might be possessed? Yes. But <laughs> that one just like kills me because it's like it it anything that that kid did was just like a kid being a kid and like potentially lashing out because she like her mom was in prison and all this scary stuff was going on. The whole reason that these women are being accused in the first place is because of young kids who are lashing out. <laughs> yeah. So it's like. Yeah, it's just like there are so-called afflicted children who are pro- not acting that differently, but like they're just, I guess, the right people. Yeah. I don't know. It's anyway. Ridiculous. Yeah. So the special court of Oyer and Terminer, the court established specifically to hear the witchcraft trials, didn't hear its first case until June 2nd, 1692, which is almost three months after the initial accusations. So people are just like crammed in jail cells during that time, just waiting their trial. And we got to tour a recreation of the prisons, which we'll discuss further in part three. But like, trust me when I say time in those cells awaiting trial was punishment enough. Yeah. Didn't like at least one person die just like waiting Um, I think it's like four or five, but I will. Yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. And so the court decides it's going to consider three types of evidence. The first type, confessions. And like seemingly the most legit of the three types, but any of us who have ever watched or listened to a true crime story know how tricky confessions can be when trying to prove someone's guilt. And it was especially tricky during this time because confessions acquired by torture couldn't be used to convict. So the accused were like given an opportunity to recant their confessions. However, if they did, they would often just be tortured again. So like you could see how easy it would be to get a forced confession from somebody as an attempt to avoid future harm or future torture. The second type was... <laughs> What? It's just like so ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. They recognize that a confession might not be valid when they're torturing them, but also they're going to torture them again to right. get a confession. It's insane. <laughs> There's some big brain energy happening here. <laughs> The second type of evidence is testimony of two eyewitnesses. And like, I don't think I have to really say much here for everybody to understand like why this one could have been problematic, but like everyone's freaking out. So like, I think it's pretty easy to get two people to come up and say, yeah, I saw this person practicing witchcraft. Yeah. And then the third was spectral evidence, which is basically just testimony that somebody has seen the apparition of the accused and that they're being tormented by them. Yeah. But it's also worth pointing out that none of these types of evidence are like actual actual evidence, physical <laughs> evidence. Like it is all <laughs> circumstantial pointing fingers. He said, she said, whatever. Yeah. And like, if, if we can't get that, then we'll just 
torture you until you tell us you did it. Yeah. Great. So, because witchcraft isn't real, so you can't get physical evidence. (laughs) (laughs) But no one wanted to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, additionally, things like touch tests were used or touching tests were used to prove that somebody was guilty of witchcraft. And a touch test was when the accused would touch the afflicted after they were having a fit. And they believed that if the touch calmed the afflicted person down, then the accused must have been the person responsible for the affliction. What? So like... I mean, like, anybody. So, like, you're freaking out, and you accuse me of witchcraft. Yep. And then they have me touch you. And if you calm down, then Then I'm a witch. you are a witch. I feel like it should be the opposite. Like, the closer I get to you, or, like, you know? Yeah. Like, like if we're going to apply any logic to this, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) if I'm closer to you, it feels like my connection to you should be stronger. Yeah. Nope. You touch me, I calm down. And like they would do this in the courtroom. So like you have so everyone who's come can see it. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> Which we're going to get into in part 3 like what might actually have been affecting the people who are making the accusations, but like if they can just stop on a dime when somebody touches them, like well then it's it's all just bullshit. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know we're on the same page. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> for the sake of saying it out loud, I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. So there were issues, clearly, with the way that the trials were run. So Bridget Bishop is the first to go through a trial. And after repeatedly denying any wrongdoing, the accusers assure the courtroom that she is lying. Members of the community testified that they'd seen Bridget practicing witchcraft because, of course, they have. And as expected, or as you may already know, Bridget is found guilty. And her trial basically sets the tone for all of the remaining trials. They all sort of go the same way. And on June 10th, 1692, Bridget Bishop was the first hanged during the Salem witch trials. Shortly thereafter is Rebecca Nurse, who's a woman who is well-liked and respected, unlike many of the others accused before her. She was almost acquitted due to the help of some petitioners, but ended up being found guilty after a particularly convincing performer from her accusers. Performance. Nope. Performance from her (laughs) accusers. And she was hanged alongside Sarah Good and three other women on July 19th. Yeah. And Sarah Good's one of the original people that Tichibo points to. Okay. Yep. And I'm pretty sure Dorothy Good is still in jail at this point. So Sarah's four-year-old daughter. Great. (laughs) It's just awesome, guys. Just really awesome job. Good (sighs) work. So... 13 more accused were found guilty and executed by the end of September 1692, including John Proctor, who prior to him being accused had spoken out on behalf of Rebecca Nurse. Right. He kind of loses his shit about Rebecca because she's 
like such a prominent respected figure in the community and then everybody's like well you must be a witch too yeah and it seems like they may have some relation to like through marriage but it seems like they might be sort of connected as well (sighs) so by the end of october the decision is made to denounce the use of spectral evidence and by the end of october the use of the special court of oyer and terminer is discontinued yes and Importantly, this being discontinued was only after Governor Phipps, his own wife, came under suspicion. Cotton Mather, who was a respected Puritan minister, had written to him almost immediately after the court of Oyer and Terminer was established to employ the governor to disallow spectral evidence. Because, like, like any logical person, like looking <laughs> in from the outside, they'd be like, this is a crazy thing to consider. Um, Khan's father, Increase Mather, who was apparently the president of Harvard at the time, wrote Phipps on October 3rd, echoing his son's request, saying it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. And so like whether or not that sort of final plea from Increase Mather makes any difference, we can't really say because it mostly seems like Governor Phipps was like, oh shit, they're going after my own wife and like potentially me next. So this is done. Time to wrap this up. Time to wrap this up. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Great. Great job delivering justice, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Just as this was intended. So, yeah, the trials don't just stop in October. It wasn't until early 1693 that the final trials take place. And by May, the remaining cases have been tried and jails were cleared. Yeah. Elizabeth Proctor, who was pregnant at the time of her trial, was found guilty and was to be executed after the birth of her son. Uh, But after her son is born, I don't, it sounds like a, they just sort of like sit on her and make a decision that she's not going to be executed. And then in May she is freed. Yeah. I think the final people just end up sort of like getting pardoned eventually. Eventually. So. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like a happy ending for her, but really she was still considered a non-legal person at that time. So she had no rights to her dowry and she had not been written into John's will, likely because he'd assumed she was also going to be executed. So what waited for her outside of jail was no money and a broken family. So like not awesome. the happiest ending for her either. Yeah. I mean, it's really low. Like by the end of September, we're done executing people. And then by the end of October, we're just continuing the court. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then like the others, like, I, there are still some trials, but they're just not. They can't consider the same. Yeah, the same evidence, which like <laughs> shocking. You can't. Yeah, consider- once you can't. <laughs> once you can't consider that evidence anymore, like yeah. there's no case. <laughs> yeah, you can't have like l- people in your courtroom like shrieking and freaking out because the specter of some person is torturing them or whatever. It's like wow, <laughs> funny how no one gets. or barely anyone gets convicted after that yeah so overall as many of you already know the events in salem are the prime example of just how quickly and fully people can surrender to paranoia and allow things to totally spiral out of control people suck the end
But also, we're not just talking about the accusers and judges. Even Giles Corey, the man who was pressed to death by stones after uttering the infamous line, more weight, when asked if he would submit to going on trial and was one of five or six men executed during the Salem Witch Trials, had previously beaten a servant to death and then chose to testify against his own wife, Martha, who was later hanged after being accused of witchcraft. Again, in part by her husband. Yes. So, thing is, though, like, he isn't the only one doing this. People are just, like, totally freaked at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, everybody's accusing everybody and testifying against everybody, families, neighbors, friends. Nobody's really safe at this point. Yeah. And that, like, includes people who are in positions of power and again who are well respected in the community so everybody is spazzing out and i know it like sounds kind of mean to give giles Corey a hard time but like he really did suck as like a person yeah <laughs> <laughs> like his end was very brutal and that is like a pretty epic famous last words or whatever but he was not a great dude or anything so yeah. Nobody go get like a tattoo saying like more weight because it's like that dude kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Again, didn't deserve that ending, but like, yeah, he wasn't a cool dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like what's worse, though, is like some people are or maybe not worse, but like equally terrible is some people were tortured or frightened into testifying against loved ones. And as I mentioned earlier, others would just testify in an attempt to save themselves from being accused. Yeah. So like, oh, I'm scared. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell everyone Megan's a witch. I mean, yeah, at the point where they were already executing people and then you find out like, oh, well, you can confess and tell them some additional names and then like they will let you out of jail. Psh you're gonna do it sayonara like Paige is a witch <laughs> i'm out of here it was fun while it lasted but sorry <laughs> you're dead to me now <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we can all sit here with the you know 300 whatever years of 330 years of knowledge and like history to look back on and feel all superior and stuff like that but like everybody knows they would be doing the same shit in that situation yeah, there are like very few people who wouldn't and like props to those people right. because they're they're better people than me most likely like i want to believe i wouldn't but yeah. like you're probably a witch <laughs> yeah and like i mean the stakes are a little lower today but it's like like false confessions happen all the time oh yeah today and like people will just like say some shit and or blame other people to like get themselves out of trouble it's just what we do so right nobody act like they're better <laughs> right, we're just trying to preserve our own lives out here <laughs> yeah so just generally the puritans suck <laughs> So, at this time, they're representing a smaller and smaller proportion of the New England population. So, I think there's, like, a little bit of panic happening there. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, they believed that the devil was working through these accused witches. So, like, of course you're going to want to execute them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's scary. And they're also just, like, very patriarchal. So, like... 
a significant number of the accused and executed were women. Not all of them. There were there were men, but yeah. like there's definitely way more women yeah. who ended up in that position. Yeah. So I don't really have a ton to say about them, but I mean, again, everybody here just generally sucked. And also they hated Christmas. So they did. <laughs> <laughs> who hates Christmas? <laughs> I mean, some people can hate Christmas, but you know, it's just like yeah. They didn't they didn't think that celebrating Christmas was cool because it was like we can't have fun ever. Right. That's not right. <laughs> we have to be serious all the time. And it's like, no wonder you guys are miserable. Like you just gotta be serious buddy daddies a hundred percent of the time, always. But yeah, it all just adds to it. They feel like their way of life is under attack and that it's like the devil working against them. And it's like maybe your way of life just sucked and (laughs) was naturally coming to an end because people realized that it sucked. Like it wasn't the devil. It was just that you sucked. Right. (laughs) Right. So there's our hot take on Puritans. Everything Uh, sucked (laughs) the end. (laughs) Uh, So then, yeah. All of the people suck. We, I think we've made that clear. Great. How many times can we say suck in a single episode? <laughs> in case I haven't made this part clear, the judicial system also sucked. And like, frankly, still does. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's like every time that Steven and I watch like one of those uh, like true crime documentaries where it's like focused on things that went wrong in the judicial system and he's like how am i supposed to have like any faith in this ever because like they are always fucking shit up and it's like yeah exactly (laughs) 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 it's broken system (laughs) it hurts Uh (laughs) it hurts me (laughs) so yeah at the time of the witch trials you literally had to pay to get out of jail even if you had been acquitted you like had to pay for your room and board during your stay the size of the cells that you were in were determined based on like what you could afford all of them were like absurdly tiny but yeah. like if you didn't have as much money then like you would get one of the cells where like there wasn't even room to lay down some of them there like wasn't even room to like sit down even. yeah And so, like, you're in these, like, essentially torture cells that you have to pay to be in, even though you're being accused of something you didn't do wrong. Yeah. So, great. And then there's also, like, an apparently an additional charge for shackles. So, you have a trial coming up that almost certainly is going to end in your execution. You know now also have to pay an ass ton of money just to survive (laughs) in a crammed cell with a bunch of other people who are accused of doing something they didn't do yeah that's that's that everybody and it's was stupid. having a really good time <laughs> i'm angry about it <laughs> <laughs> look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. 
Download the new Bumble now. So yeah, from 1692 to about mid-1693, over 150 people were accused and arrested, more than 25 convicted, 19 executed, and then another five died while in jail. Eventually, the colony admits their wrongdoing. Money is paid to at least some of the families of the accused, though like it, it doesn't seem like all of the families receive payment. However, it still took years to clear the names of the men and women whose lives really ripped from them, and many were exonerated in the late 1700s. Elizabeth Johnson Jr., one of the over 150 convicted, was the last accused Salem witch to be exonerated. 329 years later, in 2022, thanks to the lobbying efforts of an eighth grade class. Yeah. Which I think is like cool that they did that, but also like insane that it took until 2022. Yeah. Well, many historians don't have reason to believe all of the afflicted girls were lying about being sick or, you know, having fits. There is reason to believe that at least some of them and their families were being dishonest. And Anne Putnam, who was 12 at the time of the trials, did publicly apologize in 1706 for the part she and her family played in the accusations. Some believe that her family manipulated her into making those accusations in the first place, which like I sort of assume that that was the case for like a lot of these girls that like their family was just sort of pushing them to like give answers on like why they were acting out or sick or whatever Mm -hmm. was happening and like the thing of the time was calling people witches so like that's what they did but i blame their families yeah um wasn't ann putnam's mom like a real bitch too that sounds right (laughs) like wasn't she like one of the adults who was like pretending like she was being afflicted or something ann putnam senior would also become afflicted at times well at at times yeah fuck that lady yeah a bunch of bullshit (laughs) yep That's it. That's the story. Everyone sucked and everybody was having a really good time. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So that is the the as detailed of a view as we have time to give on this podcast (laughs) of what went down and the problems with the justice system and the way these trials were conducted. And why everyone in Salem was having a really bad time. So, that's it. Yeah. That's it, guys. That wraps up our second Salem episode. Join us next time for Salem Part 3, The End of Salem, where we will talk about possible scientific explanations for the events of 1692 through the lens of modern medical science and our own experiences with the spooky spots in Salem. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.